Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. All right, so we are going to continue on with our series of The Way, and I am just excited. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been trying to like get in the right mindset for what God wants to speak to all of us. And I say all of us because, like I say, I'm not just up here teaching you guys and, and going through this with just you in mind. I am speaking to myself. I think whenever I pray, whenever I come to God, I'm like, God, how do you want to speak to me so that I can speak to other people? And I know when we've gone through this, we've we kind of kicked this off when we hit, celebrated Easter back in April. And Pastor Tony kicked off the Way series, and we started off talking about the way of grace and how the grace of Jesus Christ is extended towards all of us, and now it's our duty to be able to share that with other people. And then we followed that up with a challenging message, I'll say for myself, where we talked about the way of love and justice. And I think that was a hard message for myself because it really put some things in perspective on how do I actually show my neighbor godly love? How do I show my neighbor godly justice? And then last week, Pastor Tony did an incredible message on humility, the way of humility, and how Jesus exemplifies humility for us in humbling himself as a man coming down to earth, and how it's now our duty to walk in the way of humility for our neighbors. And so today, I'm excited because I get to dive into the topic of the way of faith and good deeds. And maybe some of us have heard that expression worded a little differently, like faith in works, faith in deeds, faith in action behind it. And I like good deeds because I think it just kind of puts the practicality, puts the understanding of what that action is. What are the works? What are those things? And I think, you know, you all are here on a Sunday morning, which tells me that we're all in agreement, that we all come here. We're all coming to, uh, the, together in one accord, as the, you know, the old church used to say. We'd come here on a Sunday, and we would, you know, we're here to study the Word. We're here to study God. And if God is the Word, then we're here to be inspired by the Word and apply it to our life. And I think that this message is incredible because we are all here together to understand better how to live out the way of our Savior the way of our king, the way of God. And so if you have your Bible, I want us to open up to the book of Matthew, which I think is great. I think I love the fact that we have so many resources that we can go to when we're studying about our Savior. And we can look at his words and we can see his life and we can see how he exemplified a way of lifestyle for us. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, it says, um, Jesus is speaking here, says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And I love this passage because Jesus is letting us know, hey, I have called you. I have given you a purpose. If you believe in me, if you have faith in me, there's a purpose behind that. And the purpose is that I want you to go out in the world and be a light to the world. 
And how do we be a light to the world? How do we go about that? We have to actually let our good deeds shine for others. So before we get into this, I want us to open up in prayer. And I want us to actually, I will tell you just in my own mind, I love to find verses in the Bible to pray, to apply to my life. And for some reason, this whole week, I've just kind of been stuck in Philippians. And, and it's not necessarily worded like a prayer, but I hope that you can sense the heart and I hope that we can all apply this Philippians chapter four prayer to our own lives. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come up here and dive into your word with a group of believers and friends and family. God, I pray that you just be with us today. Just speak to us today. I pray that you just give us peace and we thank you already for in advance for what you've already done in our lives. God, I pray that you just fix our thoughts towards you. Fix our minds and our souls towards you and let us put focus on what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is admirable. Let us just build our life around your truth. God, I pray that you just help me and the rest of our church to put into practice all that we have learned in this series and put everything that we are learning and growing in you and put it into practice so that we can be a light to the world. So God, I pray that you just be with us today and let us just be able to learn more about you and your way and your purpose for our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I am, I'm excited to be with you guys today. Like I said, you know, I, I'm excited to dive into this topic of faith and good deeds. And I will tell you, I'll dive right into my first point. You know, I actually did come up with three points per se. You know, I think we even got them in the bulletin. So if you got your bulletin, I made sure to give you points so I can follow our senior pastor's leadership and give you three points to follow. Our first point, though, is that faith causes good deeds. Faith causes good deeds. Now, if anybody in the room is like me, you love sports. Raise your hand if you enjoy watching sports, you enjoy playing sports. I will say, just so you know, if you see me hobbling around a little bit, it's because I played sports on Wednesday with your youth, and I was reminded that I'm no longer a youth, and I blew my knee out a little bit. So I've got my leg in a brace today, so if I'm limping around a little bit, that's why. But I love sports. I am a big NFL fan. I won't tell you the team. All you'll need to know is that we're a big time winner in the NFL. And you'll probably be upset about it. So, um, but I love watching the NFL. I'll watch NBA games mainly during the playoffs. Um, you know, I, will, I love going to Major League Baseball games and watching those. One of my favorite sporting events, though, of the year just took place in March the NCAA college basketball tournament. March Madness is what they call it. Now, I, in my opinion, say that this is the greatest sports playoff in America. Now, I only say America, I have no idea what's going on in soccer. <laughs> Don't understand it. I know you guys have some big World Cup thing going on every couple of years or four years or whatever. I don't know, put it in the Olympics. <laughs> it is in the Olympics, isn't it? You guys can't just have one thing, you gotta have it all. Well, Man, all the time. No, but I love sports, right? So I love, with, with college basketball, you like choose a team. There's 30, 64 teams, and you pick who you think is going to win that team. And if you're like me, you like to get in a bracket challenge with some people. And as your team starts to do well in the bracket, 
you'll notice that people start to get a little bit more vocal about how good they are at picking their team. You know, people start to actually pull out jerseys out of nowhere that you never knew that they had. You know, they start to rep that. You get on Facebook and they're like, man, my team is doing so good. I'm so glad I went to college there. And nobody knew they went to college there to begin with. You know, they've never been in the tournament before. But if you're like me, you beat Brian Lenz in the tournament. And now, how am I going to tie this to our story today? It's not just because I wanted to brag that I beat Brian Lenz in the basketball tournament. But when you look at people who are enjoying sports, a lot of times as their team starts to do well, their faith starts to grow in their team. And as their faith starts to grow in their team, they're willing to kind of put action behind it. You'll see a lot of people as their sports team starts to do well, then they're like, oh, well, maybe I should buy a plane ticket and go and see my favorite team. I see you over here. I saw you in San Francisco over there. I saw you rooting for your team. So I, I see these people and they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They love to support their team. You start buying jerseys. And if, you're, if you see in Vegas, people start to drop a lot of money based on the faith that their team is going to do well. And I think that that's a good example of how when we have faith in something, then we can actually put a work behind it. I look at another example and I look at marriage. When you have faith that you are in love with somebody, you're willing to actually go and put an action behind it. I know when I fell in love with my wife, I had faith that she loved me too. I had faith that we wanted to build a life together. So I went out and bought a tiny little ring that costs way too much money for what it is to show her that I'm willing to put action behind my faith in her and our relationship. And then we went up in front of our friends and family and we expressed our faith and love in front of a group of people and let them know, hey, we're putting action behind this. We're committing to this. We're making a covenant in front of all of you based on the fact that we have a faith in each other and that this love is gonna continue to grow. And I love this parallel, and I think that when you look at the Bible, even the Apostle Paul uses the similar parallel in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, you'll find that Paul is actually comparing our relationship with God to a marriage. He compares the relationship with God and his church as a parallel to marriage. And it's, it's beautiful because it shows that faith has an action, has something behind it. And when you have faith in somebody then you want to put an action behind it. And I look at this and I think about our church. Well, what does that mean for us? Well, I think that we have to actually understand clearly what is faith before we go any further. What is faith? Now, a lot of us in the room, we may already have a relationship with God. If you've been here for a while, you have been part of singing these songs to our King, our Savior. This is us expressing in a loud, audible voice. We have faith that there is a Savior worthy of our praise. There is a God who is alive and he is worthy of our praise. And when I look at the Bible and I think about what is faith, faith biblically can be defined as a trust in God. It is a present trust because God showed himself to be a good God to us. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author writes, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This shows us that faith serves as a foundation for hope. Faith, is, faith can be a little tricky. I've heard people say, you know, faith is having trust in God. And I don't disagree 
However, I would say faith is kind of one step forward, one step beyond that. Trust is usually built amongst people. Trust is usually takes time. I start to get in a relationship and I can start to grow in trust. Faith is an expectation, a present trust. It's, it's trust without borders. It's trust without any stipulation. It's just growing in our faith. We have a faith in Jesus and we don't actually need the evidence of him being with me in this moment for me to put my faith into him. I will trust that God is alive. I will trust that what he says is true. I will trust that he is a good God. And I think as the church, we have to understand who our trust is in. Who is our faith in? And our faith is in Jesus Christ. You know, we celebrated Easter um, back in April. And this is a celebration of the fact that our Savior paid the ultimate price for us and lived to tell the tale. Like he overcame death. We have faith in Jesus Christ. And because of this faith, this motivates us. This faith gives us life. This faith is what a believer is all about. If we don't have faith in our God, then it's all for nothing. So because we have faith in Jesus, because of that, we are called to be like him which is what this whole series is about, the way of our Savior, the way of our King. If we have faith in Him, then we want to be like Him. If we have faith in Him, then we want to walk like Him. We want to talk like Him. In fact, in the Bible, it calls us as followers of the way, His ambassadors. And an ambassador is a representation of the King. And we are a representation. We are an ambassador of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is above all. And I want us to really get that in our head that this whole series that we're in is based on the fact that we have faith that he is our King. We have faith that the gospel is true. And so how do we represent our King? How do we do what he would do? How are we going to be his hands and feet? And I believe that we are the people who will be able to make the difference in the world through our good deeds. I believe that because we have faith in a king who saved us, we can go out and do these good deeds. We can go out and put action behind our faith. We can go out and make an impact on the world. We can go out and be a light, as Jesus says. So, How do we know what we're supposed to do? We look at what Jesus did. We look at his way. We are faithful to the word, as it says on our wall. We study the word. We come here and we try to figure out what was it that made Jesus so different that attracted people to him? What was it about him that made him not just a prophet, not just some man who just lived and did good things, but there's something about him that we put our faith in and it changes things. And I think that our faith causes good deeds. Jesus himself said that our faith should be a representation to the world. And it should be a light shining to them. I think that when we look at this series, if you haven't got it now, I don't know how you will, but our faith represents grace to the world. Our faith is showing the world godly love and godly justice. Our faith in Jesus is how we show the world humility in living with them. 
Showing our neighbors good deeds is how we are going to express our faith to them. And how do we know what good deeds are? How are we going to know what good deeds are? Well, the first thing I want us to look at is good deeds are what is good according to what God says. And I think it seems simple, but I think if you were here two weeks ago when I talked about what godly love and godly justice is, it's not as simple as just that. It's just, it's not what is good deeds according to humanity. It's not what is good deeds according to the home you grew up in. It's not what is good deeds according to what culture you grew up in. It is what is good according to God's law. And if we look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we study our word, then we can see that it's not by human standards. It is what God's standard is. What does God say is good? The other thing that I wanted to look at is that good deeds express thankfulness to God. So whatever we do in our life, is it expressing thankfulness and is it bringing praise to our God? If it doesn't meet those characteristics, then it is not meeting God's standard. And that's kind of a heavy statement, but I want you guys to think about it because when we do good deeds, when we're doing things for our neighbors, when we're doing things for our loved ones, is our action expressing thankfulness to the God who created them? Is our action actually bringing praise to the creator of the universe? So it's just putting a little bit of a perspective on what is the good deed that we're doing. And I want to pause here and I want to remind us something because sometimes in this stage, people can kind of get, and I won't say you, it's people in the world, right? (laughs) But people can kind of get it twisted sometimes. Sometimes people will say, hey, you know what? If I do enough good deeds, then I will have brought enough thankfulness and praise to God and that'll make me right standing in his eyes. And that is not true. It is not because of what we do and our good deeds that we deserve and earn salvation. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So no one can boast about this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew through Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us. Yes. And I think, I, I think we need to have that reminder of that verse that there is nothing we can do to earn grace. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. It is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is because of our faith in that gospel that now we do good things and not vice versa. So it should be the thing that is pushing us. The third thing I wanted to look at when it's in regards to what is a good deed is that good deeds are affected by our motivation. This one was a little trickier for me when I was studying this. I was like, well, if it's a good thing, if it's bringing thankfulness to God, if people are seeing this and it's going well, then what's wrong with that? But when we study the word and we look at what Jesus says, Jesus looks at the heart posture of her. He looks at your postured heart. He looks at what you're doing and he, he looks at how and why you're doing it. In fact, 
I read a passage that stood out to me, especially as somebody who's coming up here and teaching the word, that struck me as Jesus is telling me what's up with this, to check my heart, to look at the motivation. In Matthew chapter 32, in the very first five verses of Matthew chapter 32, this says this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. I want you to practice and obey what they tell you, but do not follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything that they do is for show. And I look at this and I'm like, we're going to come across this in this message today. Jesus doesn't go easy on people, <laughs> especially the people that know the word, especially the people that would go and celebrate the Sabbath, especially the people that claim to have it figured out and claim to have the best relationship with him. Jesus says, I want you to do what the teachers are saying. I want you to do these good deeds, but don't do it like they do it because they do it just to get show. They're doing it so that they can show you how it needs to be done and they can crush you with it. Yeah. And I pray, I'm like, God, please don't ever let me be in that position. Put me in check before something like that happens. Don't ever let me get to a point where I can tell people, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, and then I won't do anything. I'm too tired because I spoke on Wednesday. I'm too tired because I spoke on Sunday. I can't go out there. That's, that's truth. I can't put myself in this category and say, oh, well, I did this. I served here. I served here. I served here. And now that means that I can't do it, but you should. I have no, I'm, I guess I'm preaching to myself, but I have no authority to tell you guys that you need to be doing good deeds if I'm not willing to do anything for it myself. So check your heart. Check your posture. Our second point that I want us to look at is that good deeds build faith. Good deeds build faith. I was reminded of a story. I guess it wasn't a story. I was talking to my wife about hiking and how my knees all messed up. And I'm like, I hope this doesn't last long because the weather is starting to get nice. And how many of you guys love being outdoors like me? The only bad thing about Idaho is like it gets down to 80 degrees in here and then it's just a foot or two of snow up in the mountains. So you got to wait like another month or two. So, but when you are out in the mountains, have you ever been hiking and realized about 15 minutes in that you weren't ready for that hike? <laughs> like, have you ever gone to the trail and then you start hiking and within 15 minutes you are gassed and you're like, you know what? Let's look at this tree real quick, okay? <laughs> have you looked at these trees? Like, really looked at them. Let's take a second and appreciate what God has done here. I can tell you, me and my wife, we appreciate nature, and it takes us about six hours to do a two-mile hike. Like, we really enjoy it. But there was a couple summers ago when my wife and I, we decided we wanted to, we had been hiking and doing a lot of little hikes throughout the summer. And my big thing, I'll be honest, if you look through my Instagram, you'll see these awesome waterfalls and awesome mountains and stuff. Little secret, a lot of those places I just drive to. I don't actually hike to them. I just pull up, get a good shot, appreciate it, get back in the car and move. The other thing is sometimes you'll go on a hike, you're like, wow, this is really flat. This is two miles. But if I do it this angle, people are going to think it's really far away. It's really cool. It's really difficult. That's not the case. But a couple of years ago, 
my wife and I decided that we wanted to go hiking up near Stanley. I had heard about a trail that would take you, and they said it was a fairly easy hike. You just hike this trail, and it would take you to a beautiful lake. Now, I'm all about finding lakes. I'm all about finding waterfalls. You know the song, don't, show, don't go chasing waterfalls? Don't follow it. Just go chase those waterfalls. Don't listen. I don't know what the actual context of that is. I don't know. So. Um, but we went out. We had been going on all these little hikes throughout the summer, going up to McCall, going to the foothills and stuff like that. And so I was like, you know what? Let's go have a little hike. We'll go hit some water. It's getting closer to the fall. Let's go before the winter hits. So this is where we ended up. Now, that is about eight miles in. Not what I expected. A little hike is not hiking the Sawtooth Mountains. I had no intention when I woke up that morning to go and look at the Sawtooth Mountains on the Sawtooth Mountains. I was not prepared for this hike. Now, I had known that my wife and I had done a lot of hikes throughout the year that we weren't in terrible shape. So when we were hiking for three hours and we still had not come across this lake, I had faith that we could still make it to the lake. I'm also a little stubborn and I want to get to where I'm going and I'm not gonna give up. Now, I wasn't quite prepared, as you can see, we just have a little day pack on, but we made it to one of our most beautiful, one of our most favorite hikes that we'd ever gone on. There wasn't anybody out there. Didn't realize it was for good reason because there was snow in the forecast that night and people don't want to go in the sawtooth when there is a chance of snow. Check the weather before you go hiking in the mountains. That's another thing. So. But I say all that because when people are going on these hikes and people want to go to the sawtooth, what they will do is they start to prepare in advance. A lot of people will go to the gym and they'll start to get on the Stairmaster and make sure that their legs are working properly. You get the new pair of boots, you go and break the boots in. That way you're not going up there and getting blisters while you're hiking out there. So when people are going on these hikes, they're putting the hours of preparation into it before they actually get on the hike. Before they go and hit the mountain, you have to put the work in. And I think about this as being similar to our journey of faith. I use the word journey, the expression journey of faith because Pastor Tony uses that expression a lot. Now, I tend to laugh and chuckle at how many times it's said. I'm probably going to say it a lot today. So. <laughs> but the journey of faith is what we are on. It is something that we are continually on on this planet. When you give your heart to God, when you start a relationship with God, that is the beginning of your faith journey. You put your faith in him, and now you start to hike. Now you start to go. Now the problem is, is if you start to go down that journey of faith, but you're not willing to put any good deeds, any action behind it, the first time you come across a boulder, the first time you come across a fallen tree, the first time you come across a hardship, it's going to be very difficult for you to overcome that. And I think that the whole thing with our faith is when we start to actually build into our faith actions and good deeds, it'll start to renew our strength. It'll start to actually put purpose behind what we're doing. When we are actually doing what God wants us to do, when we're being ambassadors and we're actually loving our neighbors, this is how we renew our strength. When we go into that valley of the shadow of death, it's the good works that we did before that valley that let us see the hope that is available while I'm in the valley. 
when I'm trying to climb out of the valley, I can see the fact that, hey, I've overcome something in the past, and if I apply that same practice here, then I can overcome this. It's when I'm at the peak of that mountain, and I'm taking in everything that God has done, and I feel so rejuvenated that when I start to pour out what God has done into me, that I can be a blessing to other people, and that can renew my strength. I think we've heard that expression that it's better to give than to receive. And I would say that the same thing kind of follows in this example. It's better for us to actually give to other people. If we look at the life of Jesus, he wasn't a guy who took all these things from people. He didn't go from city to city asking for things. He went city to city to do good works, to pray for people, to heal people, to love on people, to show brokenness, broken people that they could have healing, to go and redeem lives that were lost. And if we are to go and be ambassadors of the living Savior, then it is our job to actually do those good deeds. And in doing those good deeds, that will renew our strength when we keep on going on our journey. I think about even Pastor Tony was talking about I'll say, he's a runner. I'm not a runner. I, get, I know everything about running through what he says in his sermons on Sunday. I don't know anything about it. I was like, all I know is if I need to run, I need to be faster than the other guy, then I'm running. That's all I have to do. That's it. That's all I have to do. But, but when you're running, I think about this. There are, like when I thought about hiking, yes, you have to put in the work to be able to have faith that you can actually accomplish the hike. But while you're running, according to Pastor Tony, there is still work to be done in the middle of the race. You are still in a mental battle, trying to fight through the pain, trying to keep going. You have to think about what you have taught yourself and have faith that you can actually accomplish this race in order to actually get to where you need to be going. And I think that when we look at this, we need to understand how the two go hand in hand. And I think about faith and good deeds and how good deeds goes hand in hand with our faith. And I think about somebody who walked with Jesus probably the longest in the Bible. The book of James is written by one of Jesus' closest disciples. And what some people aren't aware of is that James was literally the brother of Jesus. This is a guy who grew up watching him and following in his way. Jesus would have been probably his older brother. You know, if Mary and Joseph didn't have any other kids before that, older brother. There we go, process of elimination. But James literally had to follow in the footsteps of a perfect man. My sister had to follow in my footsteps. And I didn't leave that good of an example. But can you imagine living with Jesus and having to go about that and studying his way? It's interesting when you see James in the book of James and how it is, corresponds with the other disciples that walked with Jesus. If you look at John, for example, John is, first of all, I love John. He writes a book and says, this is the man who Jesus loved the most, talking about himself. That's my sister right there. No. But James, James is more like me. James is like, let me get to the point. Let me be blunt with you. Let me tell you how things are. I walked with this guy. I lived with Jesus. Let me tell you what's actually important and what's not important when it comes to this. If we look at James and we look at chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, this is what James says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, 
If you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose that you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And this is harsh. I was like, James, you can go a little easier on us, right? Like we just put our faith in Jesus. Like we are doing everything we can to love God. And James is basically going back to the greatest commandment and says, yeah, if you love God, but you don't love people, then what good is it? If you are walking by your neighbor and you see that they don't have something and you're like, hey, I'll be praying for you. Thoughts and prayers. But you're not willing to actually put action behind it. What good is your faith? And I love that he puts in here that it produces, if it doesn't produce good deeds, it's dead and useless. Earlier in verse 14, he says, what kind of faith saves anyone? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Which is the whole point of why we do what we do, right? The whole point of us being an ambassador for our king, the whole point for us putting our faith in him and doing good deeds is to lead other people to the loving savior that saved you, right? The whole reason we come here on a Sunday is so that we can learn how to be better people, to love people better because that's what Jesus asked of us. Like that's the whole point of being a believer. Like, yes, we love Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus. But if we're not willing to be Jesus in the world, then what good is it? If we're willing to love Jesus and we get filled up and he lights us on fire and he puts a light under us, are we just going to cover it up under a basket? No. Like the whole point of what we do here, the whole point of this message is so that we can actually live the way of Jesus, not for us, but for the world around us. Our point number three is faith and good deeds produce fruit. Faith and good deeds will produce fruit. Now, I love that I had this point on here and Pastor Sophia came up here and was talking about fruit in our pre-service prayer. She was talking about out of Psalms and looking at our fruit of our life. Let whatever we do produce fruit. Produce good fruit. Whatever we do, let our worship produce fruit. If we look at Matthew, which I love going to Matthew because he really just dives into what Jesus is saying. Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20 says this. This is Jesus speaking here. Jesus says, you can identify them by their fruit. By the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? See, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Jesus is coming in on us here. (laughs) 
Like it's, it's a beautiful metaphor. It's a beautiful parable. We're like, oh, I love trees. Jesus, I'm so glad you brought up fruit. Lunch is coming. I'm hungry. I skip breakfast. I get, amen, Jesus. Good fruit, good tree. I get it. Bad tree, bad fruit. I get it. This is like Dr. Seuss nursery rhymes. I've got it figured out. And then Jesus says, and every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is going to be chopped down and thrown into fire. And I'm like, whoa, Jesus. Why are we talking about throwing fire? Trees into fire, that's not cool. And then literally right after that, he says, you can identify people by their actions. So he's putting it personally. He's like, we've been talking about trees, that's you. We've been talking about fruit, that's supposed to be you. Jesus is being very serious and saying, yes, you can be identified as my followers. But how you will be remembered, how you will make a difference is by the fruit that you produce, by the light that you shine out, by the good deeds that you actually put with your faith. And I think about it and I'm like, I am not a gardener. My name may be McDonald, I'm no farmer, right? That was, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Now, I'm not a gardener, I'm not a farmer. However, I did know a farmer, right? I have had some friends that have ranches and stuff like that. Now, I, have you ever seen, see, I don't even know. I was going to say, what's a baby tree? A sapling? Is that what you call these things? Okay. Have you ever seen a sapling of like a peach tree? So we went to the store with my buddy. He's like, we're going to go and we're going to buy a peach tree and we're going to plant it. And so in my mind, I'm like, cool, let's go get a little baby peach tree. That's great. We go and get this bucket of dirt that has a stick sticking out of it. Like it's just a brown twig sticking out of a bucket. And he's like, all right, we got our peach tree. Let's go home and plant this. And I was like, okay, that's a lot of faith that you have in that little stick that they just gave you, right? You got, you're going to go home and plant your stick and <laughs> let's see how it goes, right? But I think about that and I'm like, okay, so maybe that's the journey of faith that we're on. That we have to take this fruit tree and we have to have faith that we actually pick the right tree. We have to have faith that this stick is actually going to have the potential to grow into something beautiful, to grow into something that's life-sustaining. So you take that tree and you go home and you plant it. But here's the thing. I can have all the faith in the world that that's a fruit tree. But if I'm not willing to put any action behind that fruit tree... It's going to die. Nothing will happen. If I take that tree and I just plant it in the yard and I'm like, all right, I have faith that that's going to grow, but I'm not willing to put any effort into it. It will die. However, as my friend did, he took that tree, planted it in the ground. He put some good soil around it. He made sure to water it. He made sure to give it proper sunlight. He even made sure that it was in community with other trees that could protect it from the wind and the elements that would come to try to knock it over. And over the time, he started to prune that tree and started to work on that tree. And it did take some time, but eventually that tree did produce fruit. And likewise, I look at this, I'm like, he could have put all the work into it, but if he had put his faith in the wrong tree, it never would have produced fruit. If he were to have put his faith in a stick or a weed, then it's never going to produce fruit. 
And similarly to our journey of faith, I think about that. We can put our faith in Jesus. We can put our faith in God. But if I'm not willing to put any kind of action behind that faith, it's going to die. It's going to choke itself out. And then I'm left thinking, wow, God really wasn't real. That faith thing wasn't what it was cracked up to be. All these Christians, I don't know what they're talking about. I put my faith in Jesus and nothing worked for me. But they didn't put the work in. If, they don't, if we don't put the work into it, if we don't put ourselves in a community of people that are going to protect us, if we don't actually have good soil, like good word, and we're not faithful to the word, how are we going to expect to have fruit come out of our life? And I know that seems kind of crazy to think about, but I look at this and I'm like, you know what? What is the fruit in our life? Because Jesus says that if we are connected to the vine, if we are connected to him, if we are actually being faithful to him and we're putting action behind our faith, then we will produce good fruit. Paul says in Ephesians, he tells us with the Holy Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit, it will be evidence in our life by the fruit that is produced. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, I believe that if we as a church are actually putting our faith and works together, and we're connected to the Savior, then it should be evident by the fruit in our life. We as a church, as a group of believers, since that's the ones that are here, we're here, we are supposed to be able to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of the other people in this room. If we truly are following the way of Jesus, and we're truly putting faith and good deeds together, then it will be seen in our life to the neighbors. People will recognize that we are followers of the way maker because of our fruit. We will be showing people love, godly love. We will be a people that are full of joy and peace. Full of joy and peace. And I'm pausing there for a second because I'm on social media. I know people that I love, that I care about, and joy and peace is not coming out of them. So why is there not fruit when they have the faith? We will be a people that are patient with others around us. We will be believers that show kindness and goodness towards people. We will be a people that are faithful to one another, faithful to our friendships, faithful to our spouses. We will be a people that show gentleness and self-control. The other thing I love about fruit is that fruit attracts people. Fruit entices people. Good fruit will not only sustain you, but can sustain others. If we have the fruit, then we can actually make a difference in this world. And if we can attract people based on our fruit, The whole reason that we're attracting people is to bring them to the person who created the life in us. 
The whole reason that we're bringing all this fruit and we're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit is because through our actions, through our good deeds, we will actually produce fruit that can lead people to the one who can fill them. We need to be the people that can actually produce fruit and make a difference in the world. I'm going to call our band up here as I start to close, but I want us to really think about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. To be people that are so dedicated to the way of our Savior that we're willing to actually stand out and be different than the rest of the world. We are called to be set apart. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9, it says, For God saved us, and he called us to live a holy life. That's a big statement itself. It's hard to live a holy life. It's hard to live a good life. It's hard to live out these commands that Jesus gives to us. But I truly believe that all of us in this room have a loving Savior that died for them. I truly believe that all of us in this room have a Savior who cared so much for us that he was willing to lay down his life to humble himself as a man and to put good deeds and action behind it for our sake, for our benefit. I believe that nobody in this room is perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. However, I am striving towards those things. And I think as a group of believers, I want us to come together as a community, as a church. I want us to build relationships with each other, to work on our community so that we can go out and provide that hope for all people. Because of what Jesus did for us, because of the faith that we have in our Savior, we can go out and actually shine a light. We can produce fruit and give that fruit to people. And I believe that all of us are capable and called for that purpose. If you're in the room and, and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you had put your faith in him, but you didn't actually put anything behind that faith. There's no judgment and condemnation on my part. I've been there. I've done that. I've walked away. I've struggled. I've wrestled. But if that's you, I want you to rededicate your life to God. Because the fruit that will come from it is life-changing. Not just for you, but for everybody else too. We do these things because of our Savior. We have a relationship with our God. And yes, it doesn't make everything easy in our life. We've never been promised that life is just going to be easy when we follow Jesus. But I believe that it's better when we follow Jesus. There's a better way for the world. There's a better way for us when we follow Jesus. When we step out and walk the way of faith and good deeds. So I hope today that you're challenged. I hope that your faith is challenged. I hope that you're, you're challenged and you're ready to actually put a little bit of action behind that faith that you have in Jesus. And as a community, I will say, let's, let's just like brag on our Savior in what we do. Let's brag about what Jesus did for our community through us. There's ways of, of telling our neighbors, hey, I'm doing this for so-and-so, or hey, I'm doing this for the community. Won't you help me bless these people? Won't you help me? Let's go do this. Let's go and help this nonprofit. Let's go and help Stan. Let's go and do all these things. Let's get excited about these things. And I'm not saying that everything you do needs to be shared with everybody else. I think there's beauty in doing things humbly. But I believe if we look at the posture of your heart when you're expressing what you're doing for your neighbors, 
God will honor and bless those things. So I'm going to pray to close us out. And then what I would like is I want us to really just worship our Savior in this song. I want us to open up our hearts and minds and I want us to ask God, shine his light on us so that we can be a light to the world. Maybe ask God directly. It says when we ask God, he will give us what we ask. He will give us the desires of our heart. As long as those desires are in correlation with his will. So if we are in this room while we're worshiping, while we're praying through this song, I want us to, I want to challenge us. Ask God, where do you want me to shine light in this world? Where do you want my good deeds to go? Give me a direction. Give me a heading. Give me a course that I can follow. And if he doesn't give that to you today, have faith and take that journey. Take that step. Build, that, build those muscles. Stretch those muscles. I know God will bless you for it. God, I thank you so much for what you've done in this room. I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for your church, your local church, God. I thank you for Legacy Church. I thank you for the hearts in this room that are poised towards you. Because of their faith in you, this room can be world changers. Because of your faith, before, because of our faith in you, God, we can be the light to this world. We can bear your fruit, the fruit from your Holy Spirit that can make a difference, that can make an impact on our community, that can make an impact on our world. And not because of us, but you in us. God, I thank you for this room. I thank you for this church. And I thank you for what you're going to do through this church. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.